Welcome to In-House Legal with attorney Paul Boynton. It's everything in-house, legally speaking. Technology, business practices, trends, and controversies important to corporate counsel. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to In-House Legal. I'm attorney Paul Boynton, and I've covered the in-house community for over six years as a legal journalist, and now have my own media consultancy. The concern over a global pandemic of swine flu has been easing a bit since the first couple of weeks of its outbreak. This virus has been, so far, less deadly than initially feared. Nonetheless, scientists remain concerned because it's very contagious, easily passed from human to human, creating clusters of illnesses, such as in workplaces. If this particular strain of virus isn't as deadly as first feared, why the major concern then? Well, for one, it's new and unusual, containing four genetic elements, where most flus have two. Experts say the virus could mutate and reemerge next fall and hit North America with a deadly widespread vengeance, much like what happened with the Spanish flu of 1918 that killed millions. Also, humans have no immunity against this virus. And so far, at least, this flu has affected younger, healthier individuals more than the elderly and very young. Now, in the face of public health emergencies, what should companies be doing to ensure continued operations and to protect their employees? And do companies face any legal liability in the way they respond to a flu outbreak or other public health emergency? Joining me today is attorney Jay Shepard of the Shepard Law Group to help explain what steps companies should be taking to be ready for a pandemic. Jay is a veteran employment law attorney and the author of the Gruntled Employee Blog, recently named Best HR Law Site by Human Resource Executive Magazine. Jay is a frequent speaker and writer on employment law topics as well. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here. Well, why don't you walk us through what a company's pandemic preparedness plan should entail? Well, you know, Paul, it's this is the sort of thing, the sort of issue that comes up that can really bring out the best in companies, you know, in human resource professionals and in in-house counsel because it's an opportunity for them to be proactive. All too often, HR people, and we only, you know, our firm only deals with companies, so we're always talking to human resources folks and in-house lawyers, and all too often the issues that come up force us to be and force them to be reactive. So what's good about this is that people are, are looking ahead saying, all right, we don't have a problem yet, but what if we did? Um, and so it's better that they can plan ahead and, and, and you know, be one step ahead of the problems. On the other hand, though, this is the kind of thing that uh, the best intentions can really go awry. Sometimes you have people uh, getting themselves into a frenzy of making policies and, and bureaucracies that end up actually backfiring. Well, can you give us uh, an example before we get into the details of what you think uh, a policy should should entail? How can it backfire? Well, you know, it, it, it's again, most HR people and, and in-house lawyers are really are genuinely concerned for their employees uh, and and their health and well-being, and also obviously for the safety of uh, the company and the people the company serves. But if they if they go too far and become too bureaucratic about and too focused on the the what ifs, they sometimes have a tendency to lose track of the fact that we're we're talking about people. So, for example, a, a well-meaning company might come up with a policy 
um, about mandatory sick days or about um, uh, notifying coworkers that somebody has a particular condition. Uh, keep and then and they lose sight of the fact that you know you're talking about one of your people who you know might be sick and um, sometimes in the balancing of, of safety versus privacy and and respect for a, a particular employee, sometimes that balance can get out of whack, um, you know, for the wrong reasons. Well, let's talk about specific uh, portions of a policy that you think uh, makes sense and strike that balance between the safety and privacy, as you put it. Sure. I think that uh, it's very important for companies to be um, very open and willing about accommodating their employees uh, when they're sick. Um, too often, you get companies who are taking a, almost a defensive approach where they'll have like a sick leave bank or you'll get certain points, you know, you can point out if you're absent too many times. Uh, and this can have the unintended consequences of, of incentivizing employees to come into work when they shouldn't come in. What the, I'm obviously no medical expert, but everything that I've read about this particular outbreak the CDC, for example, saying, look, if you're sick, don't go to work. Um, what you don't want to see is employment policies that encourage people, that almost force them to come in when they're sick. Um, other things like, you know, informing employees about things you should do, you know, washing your hands and having, you know, Purell or what have you out at the desks and, you know, using tissues and sort of the basic common sense things that we should learn in grade school. Um, being a source of information uh, for your employees is, is a good thing. Um, making sure that employees feel like the company will be there for them if they have to be out sick or, or if their loved ones have to be out sick. Uh, making it easier to make that happen. Those are, those are positive examples, uh, I would say. Um, some of the crazy things I've heard of, of you know, like requiring people to, um, to sign uh, a disclosure form saying that they have a particular illness. Well, that's just crazy um, and, and a bad idea. I heard of one company uh, that actually somebody came in who dealt with the public and was wearing a, a mask just because she was afraid of, of uh, you know, getting swine flu. Um, and, uh, and she was disciplined, and I'm not sure it was handled the way it should have been. I think you know, trying to distill common sense from the hype is, is an important role for human resources and in-house counsel. Why is uh, having employees sign that disclosure statement that, that you mentioned uh, a bad idea, and why is that crazy? Well, um, crazy might be too much of a medical term, Paul. I, <laughs> I shouldn't. Uh, I don't want to stop the madness. No, exactly. But why, why is well, that? You, you don't think it's a good idea? Why? I think it's. A, I think it's a terrible idea. There are a few. There are some legal reasons. Uh, a number of which, for example, um, HIPAA, uh, it could be a HIPAA violation, um, uh, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, and uh, it can be, uh, it can violate the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, employers have to keep medical records, any medical information it has about its employees uh, protected, and revealing that or um, or making somebody feel like they have to disclose information when they don't want to could actually get the company into trouble. But, but putting aside the legal part of it, I think it's worse uh, from a management point because, you know, again, it, it sends a message, 
sends, I think it sends the wrong message to employees that, you know, gee, my employer doesn't care about me and doesn't care if I'm sick and doesn't care that I feel terrible. Uh, it's treating me like, like there's something wrong with me. It's treating me like a criminal. It's treating me like an outcast or something. And the danger there, to bring it back to, to my field, to employment law, is that it's been my experience, and I've been doing this for 15 years, that the, that the employees who are more likely to sue their employers are the ones who feel like they weren't treated with respect. That's why, as you mentioned, the, our blog is gruntled employees. It's the disgruntled employees that are much more likely to sue. If somebody feels like, boy, they don't care that I'm sick and I feel terrible, they just want me to sign a form, uh, they might, you know, they might resent that, and that can raise the probability of, uh, of litigation down the road. From the perspective of employees that are fortunate enough not to get sick, would they feel, uh, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, uh, upset, for lack of a better phrase, uh, that their fellow coworkers are sick and they're not being told about it? You know, there's that side of it. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, that's a good point, Paul. I mean, it is, there is that side of it, that people, you know, we're all different and we have different immunities and different metabolisms and, and um, different uh, environments. And so, sure, it's, it's, there's always a risk that, um, that's, that somebody uh, will feel like they're not getting treated exactly the same. And again, that kind of goes back to one of the um, occupational hazards in human resources is that there's this, um, this, this almost mania about, oh, we have to treat everybody exactly the same. So, you know, the truth of the matter is you're not treating everybody the same. People are individuals. If you, if you worry too much about treating everyone the same, you're going to treat everyone equally poorly. Um, you know, if, if an employee feels like, gee, it's, it's not fair that the company didn't do more to protect me from, you know, Louise, who's, you know, coughing up a lung over here, well, that's too bad. I mean, they gotta, that makes me question that, that employee and whether they, you know, doesn't seem like much of a team player. There's no legal liability uh, for, I can't sue if I get sick at work. And I think that, gee, you know, Paul was sitting next to me and he was coughing and he never, you know, washes his hands and now I'm sick, I, I'm going to sue my employer. There's just no way. That doesn't go anywhere. Jay, you had mentioned that there were some uh, legal, uh, potential legal liability. Uh, are there any others that uh, perhaps we haven't uh, talked about yet? Well, there's, uh, again, like I said, I mean, just to follow up on the last point I made, um, I've, I've seen this in the in the press uh, and on the blogs. I've seen a lot of, quite frankly, my colleagues, if you will, other employment lawyers, um, sort of using this as uh, as an opportunity to you know to try to drive business and to try to grant. I mean, you know, a lot of people are calling their lawyers saying, "Hey, what, what do I do about this?" Um, it's kind of similar to what we saw a couple months ago with the uh, Employee Free Choice Act. Oh, here come the labor unions. Oh, no, let's have seminars. And so people are putting on seminars about swine flu and um, kind of feeding into, uh, into that hype. But the reality is, you know, if somebody gets sick at work uh, and they can somehow, you know, tie it together and prove that, oh, you know, I got sick because my coworker uh, had swine flu or had the flu or had something, and my company didn't do enough to protect me, you know, even if that gets anywhere, that's all going to be preempted by workers' compensation. You can't sue your employer uh, for an injury you suffer, and I'm not 
certain that that's even an injury in that sense, at work. Uh, it's completely covered by workers' comp. Um, and so that's, you know, so I'm not worried that when my clients call up and say, oh, can I get sued if I don't do enough to protect against swine flu? The answer I give is no, you can't. But, you know, use common sense to, you know, make sure people go home when they're sick. Make sure people aren't, that you don't have a policy that's going to uh, pressure them into coming in when they're sick. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will talk more with Attorney Jay Shepard of the Shepard Law Group. Are you interested in sponsoring in-house legal or other programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. Now more with Attorney Paul Boyden experienced in the issues important to in-house counsel. Welcome back to In-House Legal. I'm Paul Boynton, host of In-House Legal. I am joined by attorney Jay Shepard of the Shepard Law Group. Jay, before the break, we're talking about potential legal landmines for employers. And uh, one area might be where if an employee or a group of employees do get sick and they go out for a fairly extended period of time, they come back and then there's some sort of uh, negative employment action against them up to and including termination. Is there any cause of action for retaliation in that context? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, retaliation is one of the biggest worries that employers have or should have. You know, it's, it's oftentimes what happens in cases like this, it, it's harder for the employee to win the underlying claim, like in that, in that case, a disability discrimination claim, it's harder for the employee to, to successfully win and say, you know, to say, oh, you discriminated against me because I was sick or because I had a condition. But it tends to be easier to win the retaliation claim. And so the scenario you just described, Paul, you know, where somebody goes out and has a condition, they're sick, and, uh, and then they're treated badly or they feel like they're treated badly and things happen. The, typically at the administrative agencies uh, and in court, um, the, the, the need, the, the evidence you have to show to prove that claim tends to be a lower threshold. In other words, it's, it's easier to win the retaliation claim uh, because oftentimes a judge or an agency will say, well, this happened, and then afterwards this happened, and the, you know, the bad thing happened, and therefore that must be retaliation. Um, whereas under the underlying discrimination, it's more you got to actually show the bias. Um, so no, that's a that's one of the most dangerous from an employer's point of view, uh, from a legal point of view, one of the most dangerous areas the retaliation claims. Uh, earlier, you were definitely advocating a more common sense approach to this, and let's not uh, overlawyer this and, and ramp up on the on the policies. Now, let's say that uh, a company doesn't even have a public health emergency crisis plan in place. Is that a problem, or is it okay if companies just kind of operate on the fly whenever these uh, emergencies emerge? It's a really good question. It's a question we get asked a lot. You know, clients will call up and say, gee, I don't have a a good enough handbook, or I need a better handbook. Uh, Or worse, they'll call up and they'll say, here's our 150-page employee handbook. Can you revise it for us? And we, we run screaming away in the other direction. I'm our philosophy is much less policy oriented and handbook oriented. So to answer your question, no, I'm not that concerned uh, that they don't have a policy, a written policy written by some committee 
in place. Uh, I wrote an article last year on the um, on this topic on uncomfortable employees. If you just Google world's shortest employee handbook, you'll find the article. I would much rather see employers thinking about it and and having kind of principles that guide them rather than having a spelled out overly bureaucratic policy, as, as typically happens, usually with larger companies, um, because then they tend to lose sight of what's, what's really important here. If a company calls up and says, and, and this has happened, I don't, you know, gee, I don't have a pandemic plan. I'm like, well, you know, can you write one for us? I say, well, you know, what do you need a pandemic plan? You know, common sense, I mean, the numbers in this, uh, you know, there have been six U.S. deaths. In, in swine flu up to date, according to the CDC, on an average year, there are 36,000 U.S. deaths from seasonal flu. Um, SARS, you know, was a big scare a few years ago, 775 worldwide deaths, none in the United States. Avian flu, 261 worldwide deaths, none in the United States. And yet they're the kind of things that get people's attention. Um, it's good to be proactive and it's good to be considering these things. How would we handle this if we had another 9-11? How would we handle this if we had a bunch of people getting sick? But that doesn't mean you have to come up with 20 pages in outline form on, you know, what to do, you know, who the floor monitor is and who you call, and and worse, having people sign these disclosures. Uh, Instead, common sense and a, a, a commitment to respecting each individual employee and, and, you know, reminding them, hey, look, we're sorry you're sick. And, and that's it's a shame. And I wish, you know, I hope you feel better. What can we do? At the same time, you know, having common sense to protect the rest of the employees. Listen, we'd rather you not come in today because you seem like you're really sick. You know, take the time you need and then come back when you're better. And that's good for everybody. If a company hears what you're saying and then they say, no, really, Jay, we really want you to work on this policy and we're going to pay you money to do it. <laughs> Uh, what, what advice would you give then in terms of you know creating that balance between safety and privacy and and not overdoing it? What are some of the key key elements that you would advise companies to have in in, in a policy like this? Well, uh, I mean, as far as the key element goes, I mean, in, instead of a particular provision, I think the first thing is I'd want to see I want to make sure that policy didn't sound like it was written by lawyers. I want, you know, because nobody will read it. And I generally feel that the goal of a policy is to actually have it read. I mean, I'm sure if you took a poll of how many people in corporate America have actually read their company's policies or handbooks, the answer would be very, very low. Uh, But instead, you know, make it shorter and written by humans and something that you'll actually read and can get some value out of. I'd want it to have information that the the individual employees could use saying, Hey, look, here's, you know, here's what we do when people get sick and here's what we want you to do. And here's how we've made it easy for you to, to let us know you're sick. Um, and, and, you know, to not come in unnecessarily, um, and a re and a commitment in those policies to protecting people's privacy, protecting people's medical records and, uh, an affirmative statement that, look, we're not going to, you're not going to get retaliated against. You're not going to get punished for being sick. Everyone gets sick. Um, you know, I think the more that the company can make the, their employees feel like the company cares, the less likely the company's going to get sued down the road by these employees. Aside from the more HR side of this, should a policy also address 
the more logistical issues such as, uh, you know, uh, maintaining a skeletal workforce or telecommunications policies or protecting vital records and making them available to folks that are at, uh, sick and at home, that sort of thing? Or is that just better left out of the policy? No, I, yeah, I think it, it really, so much of that depends on, on the company. If you have a, the kind of company that really requires that, like let's say you run a hospital, for example, um, and you need to have, make sure you get coverage and things like that, well, that's, that's fine. You know, to, you might need to have the the more um, logistical things, as you put it, uh, in that policy to to make sure um, that you that you know that the company can still run. Uh, and so, knowing that there's a you know a website that they can go to to find out if work is canceled, or, or telling people to stay home, or a radio station to listen to, or what have you. Um, sure, if it's appropriate to do that, uh, given the nature of the of the workplace there, that that makes total sense. Um, again. The, you know, the drafters, whether they're lawyers or whether they're HR people uh, who are doing these, just don't lose sight of the fact that what, what we're talking about here, we're talking about the people who work for you and who probably want to come work for you. Too often, we let the tail wag the dog and we start asking questions, well, what if someone takes advantage of this? It's like, you know what? Worry about that when someone does it. If someone takes advantage of your policies, then deal with that then, rather than trying to divine ahead of time, okay, well, let's guard against that. Um, I think it's a better course of action. Show the employees you care, first and foremost. So this really is uh, comes down to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Definitely. Well, Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we sign off, could you give the listeners your contact information? Sure, definitely. Thanks, Paul. Uh, again, it's, I'm Jay Shepard, and the firm is Shepard Law Group. Uh, and you can find us on the web at shepardlawgroup.com. And Shepard is spelled the right way, H-E-R-D. And uh, our, my blogs are it's gruntledemployees.com, which is for employers and HR and uh, in-house folks. And I have the other blog on, uh, on lawyer services called theclientrevolution.com. Well, thanks again, Jay. We hope you'll join us for another in-house legal show. Thanks for listening today. I'm Paul Boynton, host of In-House Legal, your online source of the news and information in-house lawyers need to stay ahead of the game. Thanks for listening to In-House Legal with attorney Paul Boynton. Hot topics for the in-house lawyer, legally speaking. We hope you'll listen to the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network.